0: MLOps is not a term that everyone in most organizations are familiar with. I found a good way to get people to really get it pretty quickly is by talking about machine learning offense and machine learning defense. That's an analogy that sticks very well at Sportsbet, which is a very sports oriented organization. I think ML Offense and Defense explains pretty well, in general, what we're trying to do. Now, they're not perfectly distinct ideas because, as the old expression goes, the best offense is a good defense. Um, I think you can actually kind of say the vice, the opposite of that as well.
1: At Data Futurology, we love creating events that can help you overcome the challenges that you're facing in your organizations right now. So I wanted to quickly tell you about a free webinar around accelerating ML Ops. This is on the 26th of July at 11 a.m. We're going to be sitting with Romina Sharif-Poor from AWS, and she's going to tell us about how CarSales.com.au was able to use their SageMaker platform to improve the creation, deployment, and operationalization of their machine learning models. So come join us for that really exciting webinar. For more details, please check datafuturology.com forward slash events. Thanks so much. Hope to see you there. I'd like to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading specialist data recruitment business. With offices in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, they're experts at providing recruitment strategy and building data teams for clients across industries Australia-wide. They provide recruitment solutions for all roles across the data lifecycle, including data engineering, data science, advanced analytics, customer and marketing insights, business intelligence, data product managers and data governance. They're skilled at finding the best permanent and contract hires for your business needs, as well as statement of work, project focus, data resources. At Talent Insights, relationships matter most. I can say from firsthand experience, Talent Insights are fantastic to work with. Whether you're a business leader within an HR network or a specialist data candidate, Talent Insights should be the first company you turn to for all your data recruitment needs. Find them at talentinsights.com.au. Hi, this is Felipe Flores. Welcome to Data Futurology. Today, we have a super, super special guest, Mia O'Dell. She is the GM of data science from SportsFed. Mia, we're so happy to have you on the show. I'm very excited to pick your brain. How are you going?
0: Thanks so much, Felipe. I'm glad to be here. Um, do, doing well. Thank you.
1: Ah, oh, Excellent. So I thought to kick things off, can you tell us about your role and your remit? And then
0: we'll take it from there. Yeah, sure. So I'm the general manager of data science at SportsVet. I work in one of the broader data teams. We have three main data teams, data science, data platforms, and commercial analytics, who we'll all sit in different parts of the business. So yeah, very important for us to keep very well aligned and keep in touch constantly.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. And what are, what are the three parts of
0: the business that have those teams? Uh, so commercial analytics falls under the finance division mm-hmm. um, and data platforms falls under the tech division and data science falls under product division. Perfect. Ah, super interesting. Yeah, that's quite interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, it's good because it's, it's kind of like um, um, closer to, to where the, the capability is and the need is, but yep. I'm sure that the servicing happens across the organization in terms of um, the,
0: where the stakeholders are. Um, so that yeah, it's an interesting um, interesting model. Yeah, uh, you know. that's that's right. Yeah, I've I've worked in uh, in, a, in a previous role. I've been uh, in a much smaller company, responsible for for all three of those, and we're kind of, of course then consolidated under uh, you know under one area, um, which you know had been product at one point, finance at another. Um, but I actually think it works quite well as long as um, um, you know as long as the the, the teams are quite well aligned. And, you know, if they're working together and have shared objectives and are you know competing or, or fighting, then uh, I think that actually works really well. Sportsbet's been a really really collaborative organization, which I think is you know a requirement to have that much kind of fragmentation between the uh, the different parts of the uh, different parts of the the data value chain. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, Sportsbet is definitely. Um... A, a, a quite a mature organization from from an analytics perspective um, at least at least from from the outside um, definitely seems that way and um, how did you find it coming in? I, I think you've been in the role maybe just um, a, a year or a year and a half
0: yeah yeah, two? a year year and a quarter yeah actually a year and a quarter now um, yeah it's, it's, it's been really good. Um, it's a it's a very complex business. Um, data is uh, very much part of what we do as, as a bookmaker. Um, you know, we, actually, uh, we actually build our own uh, pricing models. Um, not every online wagering company does that. They often outsource. So um, we've been uh, essentially building uh, data science models, machine learning models to predict uh, probabilities uh, of, of events for the things that our customers can wager on for a very long time. Um, it's only been, uh, I guess, a little bit more recent that we're involved in more sort of traditional machine learning data science problems focused around kind of customer. Um, so it's probably been maybe five years since we uh, really started diving deep into the customer side of data science and machine learning, um, which you know, I think has given us uh, a bit of a leg up on, on many companies mm-hmm. uh, in our journey. Um, I wouldn't say though that we've had necessarily, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. I think we have the good problem now of having a lot of machine learning models in production but not necessarily a lot of uh, a lot of mlops in place to to make those continue to run effectively and uh, and uh, and you know uh, make those continue to predict well
1: very interesting challenge uh, coming ahead um, how how are you um,
0: how are you tackling that that challenge at the moment yeah. Well, look. I guess first, first is awareness. I mean, not not everyone, you know, in the business realizes that uh, machine learning models are different than typical software. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been, um, I guess, a, a case of you know, finding the instances where m- models have failed for reasons that are typically you know, controlled for by a by. You know, documenting those, um, communicating those, highlighting those, and also just kind of a general education piece. Like a lot of a lot of people think that machine learning models are, you know, no, normal software models. Mm. Um, I like to use an analogy. Um, I think they're uh, more like uh, more like gardening than building maintenance. Maybe I think typical software uh, tends to function a bit more uh, reliably and and, and repeatedly. Uh, machine learning models, as you know, I'm sure the audience here knows, are uh, very much more prone to uh, needing a bit of uh, tender love and care, a bit of phosphorus for this plant, a bit of shade for that one, a little bit of water here, and you know it's all time varying. Um, but I think there's uh, yeah, there, there's a strong case to be made that. Um, you know, as a business where we are now, we have uh, a large number of machine learning models in production, but we don't really have the systems and platforms to to automate uh, the care and maintenance of those models, which is now forcing us into choosing between, um, ignoring those sorts of problems uh, and and building, building new things. Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: definitely a, a tension uh, between being between a, a rock and a hard place. Um, and what's what's your what's your approach um, going forward to to
0: ease some of that pressure or tension? Yeah. So uh, as I said, SportsBets is a really collaborative organization. So the the way that we're tackling it is is with um, some data science, uh, machine learning, MLOPS expertise, um, and a dedicated team of machine learning engineers um, who will be focused um, more on. Uh, building the platforms and the systems to support what we do rather than, um, rather than uh, single kind of deployments, single machine learning model deployments. Mm-hmm. Um, we really do think there are uh, economies of scale for us, uh, given the, uh, the number of models that we've built, the number of models that you know, we are planning to build. Um, so I think the the best way for us to, to tackle that is uh, a collaborative approach where a uh, team of machine learning engineers working in the data platforms team are well embedded within the, the tech organization. Um, and they're guided, um, guided by um, you know the, the data science views of, of you know basically what the backlog should look like, what the vision for uh, an ML platform uh, should look like.
1: Nice, nice. Um, yeah, that, that collaboration is definitely key. There, you guys are doing it so well. Um, and I know that as as part of this, uh, you are growing the team, or the, the, the team is is growing growing quite a bit. How um um how did you come to to that realization, and how how is it going?
0: Yeah, it's it's going well. I mean, it's uh it's it's obviously a challenge to hire uh, in this environment. Um, we're, we're growing from about 20 people um, when we started the year to about 35 by the end of the year. Um, we're about halfway through the year and we're about halfway through that hiring. That Amazing. Uh, but it's not just in data science that we're hiring. We're also hiring uh, heavily in the, the data platforms, data engineering space, uh, including uh, a number of uh, machine learning engineers to, to help us build the, the sort of platforms with the sort of governance that we're looking for. Um, but yeah, it's also, also hiring in, in our analytics function as well. Um, so there's a really big, uh, focus on, um, I guess growing the business and, and growing it in, uh, a, a real kind of customer facing value added kind of way. And, uh, the data functions have been, uh, probably the biggest, uh, I guess, beneficiary of, of, you know, the desire to, to grow the business in this way. Yeah, that's,
1: that's really good. Um, what, what type of, um, what type of challenges have you seen in the past around scaling teams um and what um what type of things do you think people should be looking out for when when um growing um,
0: that that much on almost, almost doubling the team yeah yeah look it's 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 a real challenge like um yeah in in, in a previous business um, I, I i grew it was the the Basically joined a startup, and, and by the time I left, my my, my team was bigger than the, the business uh, was when I had joined. Wow. So I grew uh, a data analytics function from um, zero to 30 uh, data scientists, data engineers, and and, and analysts. Um, wow. That was a sort of very different environment than, say, take, taking a kind of medium-sized business in, in sports betting and growing that from 20 to 35. Um, so it really depends what sort of environment you're in. Like uh, I, I gave a talk at a recent conference uh, uh, that you guys um, hosted um, and just on that subject. And I, th- I found it really, really hard to, to come up with some kind of underlying uh, or overarching principles uh, about scaling data teams. Like it, it can really be very different in very different circumstances. Um, I think the one thing that uh, was pretty like extremely powerful in, in in both situations was really to you know work with the team to come up for come up with a strong vision that allows us to um, kind of band together for something. When it became uh, less about us as individuals and more about what the team was working toward, um, it really kind of made some of the the challenges of scaling disappear. Like some of those challenges are. Um, you know, when, you, when you're the only data scientist in a, in a business, you know, you have a very large remit. You have, you know, the opportunity to work on quite a variety of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you scale up, you, you need to decide, you know, will people, you know, will such and such data scientists be responsible for this, for that? You know, when that one data scientist grows to two to three to four to five, um, there are a lot of tricky, you know things to discuss, and you know as you scale up a team that much, you know often you're layering up as well. So sometimes some people, um, you know, may be interested in in, in leadership. Some aren't, um, but you know there are times when you know maybe people feel like they're they're passed by in in that scaling of the data team. Um, but um, yeah, I guess the one kind of enduring. Um, uh constant you know for me has been really to to get the team to to band around that that vision um which you know makes it a lot uh simpler when um um you know when when there are some kind of tricky conversations and some tricky situations around the kind of organizational aspect of scaling
1: yeah yeah well i i agree and i definitely want to um um, yeah, we might we might jump in there now, actually, because one of the things that I've seen uh, that I've noticed is in in teams um, that I've had when we have when we've grown through periods of of high growth, um, sometimes people get uncomfortable by by the the changing landscape and the fact that you now do have to assign areas of responsibility, um, yeah. and sometimes that that leads to to a bit of turnover. Yeah. Um, is that something that you, you've seen uh,
0: or or how do you mitigate that? Yeah, look, I, I think, um, I mean, in, in addition to that vision, I think another thing that's been pretty helpful uh, in, in my experience in, in scaling data teams has really been to, you know, focus on finding r- really smart, talented, ambitious people, but p- people who, who don't bring uh, a large amount of ego, um, mm. people who want to work really collaboratively. Um, you know, I think that's been, that's been really, really key uh, in, in making sure that you know, we, we don't lose people. Um, that, you know, no one really cares that you know, one area is theirs, no one's sort of territorial. Um, that's a bit of a challenge when you're trying to scale a team be, because it means sometimes you have to pass up on people who uh, are exceedingly smart, um, clearly very passionate and very, very talented. Um, but yeah, one, once in a while, you've, you know, you've got to pass on someone because, uh, you know, maybe you have a feeling that uh, they're not going to be um, as collaborative um, as, um, you know, as you require in, in you know, wild scale. Yeah, yeah, so
1: true. And that's um, always a, a hard, a, a tough call at the, at the time, but it's a type of decisions that just um, provide benefits
0: um, for such a long time. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and there's there's definitely a lot of pressure to um, you know hire hire quickly, you know, when you've been given resources in, in an organization, you know, you want to make good by those. And oftentimes is the way you know planning cycles and budgets go. If, if you don't, you know, if you don't get there, you might not have those resources in budget next year. Yeah. So it's it's a it's an interesting you know problem. And I take a take a machine learning kind of data science lens. There are there are false positives and false negatives, and true positives and false negatives, and they all have different costs. And you're trying to you know find the uh, find you're trying to optimize for you know kind of some overall metric of the team succeeding, um, even if you're not necessarily hiring as as quickly as you'd like.
1: Yeah. Exactly. It's um it's a really good um you know flag to put on the ground and a stake on the ground and, and to stand by that um, that's great uh, I wanted to ask you how um, now that you've you've worked in data analytics over a few different industries uh, in your in your career how have you found the the change of industry those those transition points um, how yeah how,
0: how has that been uh, for you so far uh, i mean for, for me personally it's something that i really enjoy like i, I really enjoy the the learning curve of a new organization of, of a new industry um i worked in i spent about 10 years uh, working in the mining industry um, you know originally starting back before a time when when there were data scientists at all um you know found that uh, i guess in the early days um, you know, I, I guess I was fairly fairly early on kind of latching onto this, this this term called data science, and mm. you know, found myself pushing quite a lot uh, for you know the this this idea and, and you know being able to use data science as an organization. Uh, a few years passed, and you know, found myself uh, I guess a, a little bit uh, a little bit disenfranchised uh, disenfranchised. That's not quite the right word, but a, a little bit um, uh, I guess. Uh, feeling frustrated that in a mining context it was so hard to use machine learning and to deploy machine learning for the the, the simple kind of physical reason that it's it's a physical industry, digging things up, putting it on trains. Um, there are so many uh, regulations, uh, safety regulations in, in involved. Um, you know, in addition to just the physical re- realities of, you know, making changes. Um, so I got really interested in in the idea of you know trying to move to um, an industry where um, you know there are less impediments to putting machine learning into production. That's really just um, you know di- digital the the digital domain in, in you know online app sort of stuff. Um, in particular, you know I, I thought that a, a customer uh, domain, high frequency, high interaction customer domain would you know be the most uh, I guess ripe for um, uh, being able to to work in data and build good machine learning models. Um, You know, I I would compare and contrast something like an online uh, gaming app or online wagering versus something like um, uh, mortgage lending or insurance. You know, both are, you know, digital enterprises. Um, You know, you can collect data uh, of the touch points on um, the touch points within the um, insurance industry or mortgages and the like are. You know, very few and far between, you know, somebody's not engaging with, uh, you know, their super app every, you know, every every week necessarily or, you know, every month or whatever. Um, so I really wanted to to move into an area and, and an industry where, um, you know, there was an opportunity for, uh, I guess, a lot of data um, uh, that, you know, I thought you could actually make an impact with with data science. That
1: is really um clear, well-structured thinking, um, sort of your your analytical strength is, is coming through in, in that decision and that analysis of um, what type of organization would be a, a really great place to to work when that it would be digital, high interaction with the customer, um, something that they, they could access and that they would access all the time, high pace. Um, that, that sounds really great. Um, so leveraging your your analytical mind, um, I was going to ask you, what um, you said you enjoy the learning curve of, of joining a new organization. Uh, what, what are the, the things that you look for or, or the things that you seek to understand early on when you join an organization? Are there any particular, um, um, like, do you have any, any frameworks in your mind of information that you're trying to, to fill uh, or are there, are there anything in particular that you're trying to understand uh, first that then makes you feel comfortable that you're like, okay, now I'm I'm understanding this this organization, I feel like I can start taking the next steps.
0: Yeah. Um <clears throat> I guess um like do, do you mean from the perspective of like prior to joining or, or after joining? Um, um uh, between yeah, prior to
1: joining to to yeah. just joining sort of in the in the so early days of, of the organization.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I guess actually now, now that now that I uh, think about it a bit more, it's probably about the same. Like I, I think the um the structure of the the, the data teams matters a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Um you know as as we we spoke about earlier, um you know, in order for um I would say um data to to work well in general or in an organization you know either needs to be sort of consolidated or, or, or if, uh or, or if um split across uh, different areas of business you really need a lot of collaboration a lot of trust so look i mean one of the, the the key things um you know for me prior to, to joining an organization was to actually speak to the the, the leaders of the um, various uh you know teams that are involved in in, in the data um, uh, I guess, uh, value life cycle, um, just to get a sense that, you know, every, everyone was aligned and everyone was um, pushing for the same thing. It's very, very much the sense that I got uh, from my, uh, you know, in, in my current role at Sportsbet. Um, but um, yeah, look, I think that was.
1: Uh, that's that's a super important
0: point. Um,
1: yeah. Sorry to so interrupt. Um, no, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Because I, I, I agree that um, when when you have uh, so many or when you have a few data teams throughout the organization um, at, at first glance, it can, it can, uh, it would signal or it could signal that the organization is actually, is either very immature in the data journey or very mature, yeah. you know, as in like they're just starting and haven't figured it out, or they've got this like well uh, organized orchestrated machine that's, that's working. So yeah, jumping in to understand um, which one is it
0: is, is critical. Yep, yeah for sure for sure it's an interesting part i've not not really uh, considered it from that perspective but yeah i can i can see how that uh that that's a typical kind of journey from uh you know from new efforts in uh data science and analytics etc yeah yeah and then when you when you start in the organization
1: um are there other are things that you look to understand um first is there is there anything that you're so when you when you walk in, start the start the role in the first couple of months, you go, okay, I need to nail down this this about the business.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, I guess there's there's a lot of um, you know the, the the along the lines of like typical advice to to start in any new role. There's there's that stuff, uh, but yeah, I think it's it's really useful from um, you know a data science angle and machine learning angle to um, be able to to. To porpoise and and, and porpoising um, kind of just means you know being able to, to 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 swim at swim at the top you know dolphins spend most of their time uh, at the surface uh, but occasionally to be able to to dive deep um, deep in, in into the ocean and I think uh, that's important in in data science uh, as as well you know an organization like Sportsbet you know, when I joined it, it already had twenty plus models in production. Um, you know, which means you, you can't get become familiar with all of them um, in a prior role when I was there from the start, you know, I knew all of our models, um, you know, from from the get go, but, you know, you, you just can't do that uh, when you're joining an organization that, that's quite mature in the space. So it was really important uh, you know, for me to be able to 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 porpoise to dive deep into particular models to get a you know, decent general sense for um, how things uh, work in, 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 in detail.
1: Yeah. That's great. Um, and I gotta say, I love, I love your analogies. I think that they just, they really bring to life um, your, the, the clarity of your thinking. It's, um it's great. Like when you were saying, talking about the, the models as a, um, models in production as a garden, that they all need different things and yeah. and how to tend to them. And um, now yeah. talking about, you know, leadership
0: roles as as a dolphin in, in the sea. That's like I love it. That's yeah. right that, um that garden analogy is kind of interesting. Like I actually have the, the real lived experience of having my wife and I really gotten into to gardening and ending up with over over a hundred different potted plants and feeling the weight of not of like trying to keep those alive was really challenging
1: oh that's great that's great um yeah I'm I don't have a what they call a green thumb um at all uh I don't think my wife does either but one of my daughters is super interested in plants so uh we're now finding that we're like planting stuff and and trying to develop them trying to keep them alive and um it's been (laughs) It's been an interesting journey, so I'm definitely going to be taking lessons from there. Um, so, yeah, no, thank, thank you for that. Um, I wanted to see if we could jump into uh, some of your your thoughts uh, in around MLOps, um, and maybe if you can help us by providing um, a structure or an overview of, of uh, MLOps' capabilities, I guess, in, in general. Uh, maybe we can start there and then, and then talk about uh, what what the journey uh, could look like for for organizations. But if we start yeah. with, um, yeah, with discussing a little bit about MLOps from an overview perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean, MLOps is not a term that everyone in most organizations are familiar with. I found a good way to get people to really get it pretty quickly is by talking about machine learning offense and machine learning defense. That's an analogy that sticks very well at Sportsbet, which is obviously a very kind of sports-oriented organization. I think ML offense and defense explains pretty well in general what we're trying to do. Now they're not perfectly distinct ideas because, as the old expression goes, the best offense is a good defense. Um, I think you can actually kind of say the vice, the opposite of that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, ML ML offense to me is just you know making sure that you've got the ability to uh, to to tackle um, a broad range of different kinds of machine learning problems. Mm. Uh, Different situations, so that might be able. That might be, you know, um, batch models that get run daily. That might be, you know, serving API requests related to credit card fraud live on, on your app. Um, so there's there's breadth, um, and then there's there's um, there's there's depth. And then there's also things like time to market. Um, I see that as uh, an important factor uh, in uh, ML offer. Um, ml defense is a lot newer to, to most people they don't necessarily have a good understanding of that but you know it's really just about making sure that your your existing models continue to operate well and that your data scientists are notified when something is is uh, amiss or or not going uh, going well um, ml defense also um, includes you know hey are we introducing any any uh, any risk in our governance processes um, so you know there are things like, um, you know defensively speaking we need to make sure that our models are all uh, working uh, ethically and responsibly. Um, I take that as the kind of starting point for uh, rolling out uh, ML ops in an organization and, and just helping people understand what it is that we're trying to achieve.
1: I love that that is that is great. Um, thank you And tell me what you th- what your thoughts are that um, in, in MLOps, sometimes people, focus on the on the technological capabilities that are required to be able to um, uh, have champion or retraining of models champion and challenger approaches um, monitoring the uh, de- deployment um, and I um, guess my question is beyond the, the technical, uh, beyond the technological component required to enable MLOps, what what else uh, do you see as as some some
0: key parts of, of MLOps? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's there's things like governance. There's you know make, making sure that um, you know we're not using uh, PII in our models, uh, or you know if we are, if there's a legitimate need that uh, you know we're we're documenting that heavily. Um, but, you know, there's also just simple things like uh, release processes. Um, you know, is, is there a non-data scientist involved in the release process? Is there a, a business owner assigned for a particular model? Um, we've, you know, as we've kind of gone, gone down this, this, this journey, um, you know, we've really, we've realized how powerful it is, and it sounds like a simple thing, but to, to have um, a, a business owner both. Assigned for a model and as part of the, the development lifecycle. Um, so, just being able to, you know, even when there are times that a model is being uh, released or redeployed um, with, with no kind of, uh, I guess, customer facing sort of implications, it's been really powerful just as a, a collaboration tool to make sure that, you know, the people that we're building our models for in, internally, um, our stakeholders internally. Are you know aware and bought into um, bought into to you know what we're what we're doing at a at a detailed level? We've seen great benefit from from doing that uh, where where we've uh, where we've done that. We're not kind of exclusively, we're not uh, exhaustively. Um, migrated all of our kind of historical models to a, to a new release process, but one of the advantages that we've seen uh, from you know, a less uh, technical perspective is, is simply to to have our, our stakeholders uh, be much more in tune with uh, what's going on uh, in in the models that we're building.
1: Yeah, that's that's really good so so um yeah it sounds like um having having processes uh, around it from from what you were saying having processes in in uh, around envelopes uh, having uh, governance um the involving involving stakeholders um all really critical uh components uh, from from my point of view um and I think, I want to get your thoughts uh, thoughts on this. That it uh, one of the one of the things that I think one of the things that surprised me when I got into leadership positions in in uh, data science and analytics. And I think something that that um, I find I think trips up some people is the amount of collaboration that's needed uh, across the organization and the amount of collaboration that as a leader that you have to drive in order to. Um, get all the components working well together. And um, I think a, a great example of what you just mentioned is having a business a business owner for a model. I think that's, that's phenomenal. That's, that's super powerful. Um, what would you say to, to people that might, might feel that, um, that, 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 that that approach is like taking organizational clout away from them? because then they might not feel as like, oh, I'm the owner of the model, it's, it's my model, uh, that they're kind of like decentralizing the, the ownership of, of the model. Um, what, yeah, what would you say to, to somebody that's taking that uh, different approach of trying to almost like hog all the,
0: all the models and all, all the data? Yeah, look, I mean, this is this is probably just just part of the maturity curve. Like, you know, when when a data science function or you know a data scientist, um, you know, are are new. I mean, don't get me wrong. You 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 can deploy models without any of that. Um, hmm. You know, I, I just uh, you know, I'm convinced. Uh, I believe at this point that um, whilst um, it is a bit of a, you know change in the way that a lot of um, a lot of data scientists and data science teams um, work i think long term it, it creates um, much more uh, much more of a positive impact um, now i'm not saying that you know in a mature organization where you're deploying uh you know you might be redeploying versions of models um, you know every day that every change necessarily needs to to go through a business owner um you know i think it's important to find the, the right balance uh, between you know, flexibility and uh, independence in data science, and um, you know, between that and and being kind of well in touch and well in tune with the stakeholders. So, you know, what we've come up with is is basically um, a um, you know a way to triage. Okay, well, what changes do or do do or don't need to to go through that process? Um, and you know, at a minimum, the, our our stakeholders, the business owners, is informed when uh, when uh, a, a model is deployed. Um, but you know we want to have clear guidelines about um, you know when they need uh, when they need to actually approve a change great right. that's
1: great thank you um, and I wanted to also ask you what what are your recommendations for organizations that are thinking about getting into MLOps or or just um, starting the the journey or wanting to start the journey maybe
0: um, sure. what would be some of your your tips for them yeah. Well, look. I would, you know, I'd advise um, businesses to, you know, um, there's a there's, there's there's a concept in software engineering called called early optimization, and it's a, it's an, an, an anti pattern essentially. Um, you know, I wouldn't worry too much about um, building a, an ML platform or an ML Office platform, you know, for your for first model. Um, really depends on the use case but look i mean generally speaking um, i guess one of the mistakes that I, I see occasionally is that you know a business with uh, one or two machine learning models um, you know have gone all out in, in ml ops and ml governance um it really depends on the use case though so, i mean if, if your first uh, machine learning model is um, you know something that's extremely critical to the success of the business then of course you want to you know over invest in its reliance um, but um, yeah, look, uh, I've seen a few businesses with you know, one or two you know, machine learning models in production that you know, aren't necessarily core to the business, really sweating this concept of, of MLOps now that you know, we know what MLOps is and putting probably far too much effort on the defensive side uh, and, and not enough yet on the offensive side.
1: Awesome. Awesome. That is a great, that is a great tip. And I I forgot to mention before that um, from the, whenever we do a live webinar, we poll the audience. um, And we ask them all sorts of things. One of the questions that comes up often is um, how many models do you, does your organization have in production? And I got to say like having 20 or more is less than 1%, way less than 1% of organizations in Australia um, from, from our, uh, polls. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you guys
0: are right up there. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's 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 good to hear. Uh, as I said, I think we've had uh, an early leg up uh, in that. Uh, you know, data and modeling and prediction have been a part of um, you know, online wagering, online bookmaking for for a very long time. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's also worthwhile thinking about um, the the long tail of machine learning use cases. So it's it's not you know the first ten are not necessarily as valuable as as the next ten you know Um, so sometimes sometimes they can be but you know typically when when you're you know starting efforts in the space you you know you're trying to identify the the highest uh, value uh, areas lowest impact areas uh, lowest effort areas and you know in my mind the ML uh, offense. uh, versus ml defense equation uh, really shifts when you, you you have this kind of bulk of models that you know if you're going to build a system, do you get more value from adding an incremental new model or do you get more value from uh, uh, preventing 20 models from degrading? Um, so there's there's some I guess calculus in, in, in this this process. Um, but yeah, I mean there is this this long tail that I don't know that you can necessarily, you know, com- compare, you know, numbers in terms of models uh, between uh, different organizations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Very wise. Mia, I, I want to thank you so much for sharing so much of your knowledge and insights and experience uh, with us today. I I love your thinking. Um, so clear so well structured and it's really refreshing to get your perspectives and your thoughts on everything that we discussed today so thank you so much for taking the time to share
0: with us yeah thank you for it's been a pleasure
1: that brings this episode to conclusion thank you so much for listening please find us on datafuturology.com or on facebook twitter linkedin or instagram as datafuturology Also, go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.